0: young people and have always like had wisdom and it's on all of us to figure out how we all deserve rest is that (laughs) just like adults and young people will figure out everything but like how do we have intergenerational conversations um so we all so we all can have rest
1: welcome to our podcast series resistance in color We explore resistance as the way that we fight the challenges, structures that negatively affect spheres of our mental, social and physical health. We hear from a host of BIPOC voices of community members featuring activists, healers, organizers, students. We will engage in how we resist, find solidarity and gain insight on how to cope within our own bodies. The series features stories of incredible resilience focused on the healing of both individuals and communities as an active form of resistance. This podcast series has been made possible by the Fund for Safe Communities grant of the Minneapolis Foundation to NAMI Minnesota's Multicultural Youth Advisory Board. Welcome and thank you for listening. Welcome to this week's episode of Resistance in Colour. Today, our guest is Ayan, a community member, a graduate student, an independent organizer. She made and put together self-care bags during the summer of 2020 using her following on social media and continues to do organizing work. Ayan, thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so one of the one of the first things we like to hear from our guests, because I guess this is a podcast called Resistance in Colour. What does that sound when when you hear that? What does that mean? What does that sound like to you?
0: Um, I feel like just to be a person of colour is already resistance sometimes. sometimes. So that's like where my mind naturally <laughs> goes. Right. Yeah. Also, it's cool that Nami's doing this because,
1: yeah. Hey, cool, cool. Surviving and thriving in colour is already resistance. I like it. Um, Tell us a little bit about what your journey of resistance has looked like and how it looked like. I guess you can talk about it in different facets. You can talk about what it looked like before, what it looked like in 2020. Um, And you can feel free to mention some of the highlights and lowlights, I guess, the challenging observations um, from your journey of resistance.
0: Um, I think that resistance, I feel like when I hear that word, I think that usually in the past, like before the pandemic, I would have thought more like organizing, Mm. activism, protesting, stuff like that. And then I think with the pandemic and thinking about folks of color, particularly Black folks having, um these underlying health conditions and how they were disproportionately affected by COVID. Mm -hmm. I think it just goes to what I said, you know, with your original question of like just being, I think I've downplayed how hard that's been Mm -hmm. and like how that's already resisting. And so I think in the past I used to think that resisting was all these different projects and things that I was working on and doing. Yeah. And now I'm just like, resistance is that I got out of bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think that, and I feel like a, maybe a lot of people can relate to that because it's just been a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I think that's where I'm at right now after doing some reflections on how I'm moving and thinking through things after and still during COVID.
1: For sure. For sure. I think, I, I, I thank you for, I guess, sharing that because I, I have similar thoughts too when we think about resistance we think about action you know we think about um, something it doesn't feel like it can be passive and I think there's a lot of ways we can resist while being on our phones or while being in community with our family or while taking some self care time for ourselves so here, here to so the different ways that we are learning um, and people of colour have been learning to resist within their bodies Um, last year was a big year and I guess looking back at the observations and from the protest and organizing that was last year tell me a little bit about how you first kind of came into the space of actually maybe share with our listeners how you came into the space of this is what I'm going to do I'm going to make this Google form and I'm going to say if black people you need resourcing um i got you tell tell us a little bit about where that came from and
0: how you decided to make that decision Mm -hmm. so i really like that i've never used this term to describe me but i like it of like an independent organizer (laughs) i think that um i'm i'm in graduate school so i'm not as connected as i used to be to like different things because i'm in a transition in my life but um What happened was I just knew that I could not go out there for George Floyd. Yeah. um, Any organizing that was taking place on the ground. And I think that there was multiple different reasons. I feel like one, it was just because I think in my subconscious, when Mm -hmm. I was protesting Mm -hmm. around Philando Castile. Yes. What happened to Philando Castile? I think subconsciously I knew that was probably the protesting. I was going to retire after that because a lot of stuff went down in my personal and professional life after that and mm-hmm. my mental health life. Yes. And so I subconsciously, I think knew that but then with this year, consciously, I was able to connect the dots that like I can't go out there. Yes. um, For my own like, uh, mental health and my own history of things that I feel brave to do and organizing things that I don't feel brave to do and organizing anymore. And then also The COVID aspect of it, you know, everyone's on a different level of spectrum around their comfort levels Mm -hmm. and, you know, boundaries and stuff like that. So at the time, I think my anxiety around COVID was a lot high. And Mm -hmm. so I also just didn't see myself doing it. But even though I'm saying all that, I still was feeling guilty. I still was contemplating, am I going to go out there? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, man, if I do get COVID, it'll be really nice to, like, have supplies on deck because mm. i'm by myself yes and um and i i had a friend that did get it and like their mom gave them dropped them a whole lot of their apartment gave them a whole lot of things and was really there for them so i knew that i would have family that would like you know, help me figure it out because my sister got COVID. And so I saw how we organically, you know, stepped up for, yes, yes, for her. Yes, yes. But I just was like, in case that maybe my folks have work or like, you know, I'm by myself with my own anxiety. Like, mm-hmm. it'd be so nice to like have a bag like next to my bed if I like could not get up. Yeah. What would be in the bag? And so I was asking people who had ga- gotten COVID what helped for them. I was talking to other people. I was yeah, just trying to gather what that information was and it also helped with my own anxiety. And then I thought for the people who are going out there, if there are gonna be spikes in COVID, what if, you know, there was these these like packages that they could just have? Mm. Um that was the original that was the original idea so part of it was like my own comfort level as I was reflecting about if I was gonna go out there or not even though I knew that I probably was not yeah and then when it really hit me that I was not but a whole lot of other people were gonna co- go yes and we don't know if there's gonna be a spike or what's gonna happen I thought maybe it would be nice to like have these packages Um. yeah and that, that was the original idea mm. mm-hmm.
1: this is really cool because it. it I guess I I don't think we've thought about or maybe I I I feel sometimes maybe I made her not have thought about this as, as as much as well, thinking about being resourced during COVID because I guess I was also not I was not living alone. I was I, I, I had housemates with me. Um and so I, I knew if if something did happen to me there would be people around me to take care of me. Um, or people around me who might have a sense of what we should do or what she might need. She might need, um, but it's interesting to think about resourcing around um, what would people want for comfort if they're, you know, they're by themselves. And this is how we resource one another as well. Oh, this is cool. This is cool. Okay, okay. Share with us then what the process of finding things um were they based on donations or uh, did you go out and buy things in a wholesale or uh, asked for wholesale um and things to put in people's bags how did you decide what went in a bag what what kind of reason um resources did you tap into to make this happen
0: mm-hmm. um yeah so even though i live by myself i do have a roommate it was just that my roommate was staying somewhere else during this time. So sometimes my roommate, once in a while, would, like, come through. Um, and I think what – I mean, it, this was organic because I feel like people pe- – it started with me where people were asking, like, are you okay? Do you need – what do you need? Not just r- around COVID, but around, like, Black mental health, mm-hmm. around how you're processing isolation or processing just – the array of human feelings that are coming up with the intersection of like the global pandemic, um, the racial uprising, mm-hmm. mental health and other things that were going on kind of more in my personal life. Yeah. And so and I was either saying like, I'm fine, I don't know, I'm tapped out or I'm, you know, doing escapism like Netflix, you know. <laughs> yes. But then I think I think there was a moment where it just finally clicked for me that I didn't need to downplay, and that like what would happen if I was trying to experiment with my friends of asking for some support, and then sometimes mm-hmm. my friends just like stepped up, and even if I didn't ask for it, yes. they just were like come through and like drop me off meals, or mm-hmm. they would um, start Venmoing me money and be like, you probably aren't in a state of cooking, but like you can get yourself this, yeah. um, or. Just different, different things. So, yeah. like the care package, it, my friends and like different community members basically gave me a care package. Ah. like, and so, um, and it, and it and it was a big deal for me because yes. I couldn't articulate myself what resources I needed or that yeah. I could even have that because I just was so <laughs> in a weird headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought, like you know. After seeing that, um, I was like, I want to do this to, for other people who don't have this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then in, like, two days, the same people that, like, helped me out, like, helped me get different donations. And it first started with some of the things that they were giving me. Like, one of my friends was is a really good cook and was making, like, gourmet gourmet meals hey. and dropping it off to Black, black folks. Wow. Um, and so we couldn't necessarily do that with all the care packages so then you know thinking yeah yeah just thinking about all different aspects even something mundane is like it's hard to cook when you're really sad it's Mm -hmm. hard to go to the grocery store and then some grocery stores were burned down yeah you know um and so so yeah so then it just kind of turned into how we do a form to start asking people what they need or want for self-care and um and then the team of like the friends that I had near me, we just started getting it and like doing it ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then trying to develop a small team to like f- form like a process of dropping it off or some people will come to like my, my apartment and pick stuff up and then at one point my apartment looked like a really unorganized convenience store. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or maybe no.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. I have multiple questions as I'm thinking about it. So people wrote into this form and they said, um, I think also the decision to do the form, because one of the things that you mentioned that I I was thinking and I could relate to as well was I, I didn't know how to articulate what I needed either. I was like, maybe I just need to be with my friends or maybe I want to be by myself or maybe I don't want to watch rupal and pretend nothing is happening on university avenue when i can hear the gunshots or maybe this is actually really what i want to do i want to stay in this bubble and and experience some other joy and watch other uh people be in joy and and let that make me joyous and let that heal me um how i guess the question was um what did you feel about you learning how to learn, learning how to articulate what you wanted, or in this form, asking people to articulate the things that they might need to feel safe or well or chill. Just how did you mm-hmm. get to that place? Yeah. Yeah, I feel
0: like I think that. What we were trying to do, and it was based on conversations that I was having with that really specific friend group, Mm -hmm. is that it's so funny. That friend group, in retrospect, now that I think about it, I just was hanging out with them last night. A lot of us worked at the the Science Museum of Minnesota. Uh (laughs) And during that time, I think we were all temporarily laid off. Oh, wow. (laughs) So we have more capacity to do something like this because mm-hmm. we all were in this weird zone of like transitions or not knowing if we were going to have a job yes. or like what was happening. And being at that job, a lot of the stuff that we would talk about there and um, our department was a predominantly BIPOC department and we primarily work with young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we already at that job as, you know, young professional like, women of color or, like, gender non-conforming folks were already reflecting about, you know, self-care and sustainability and, like, how, like, the burnout and organizing Mm -hmm. and nonprofits and, like, all this stuff. So, and, like, maybe we weren't using all those words, but then it was was wild because when we were at that job, we didn't know at the time, but sometimes we were trying to articulate that we were burnt out or that... We didn't know what we needed or like maybe we are trying to articulate it, but like gaslighting ourselves, like internalized gaslight, you know, Mm. at least that was something that I was really struggling with. And like they were helping me as a community of like, no, like, I think, you know what you need. Or even if you don't know what you need, you can still feel burnt out. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that we were already going through and figuring out. So then we were working on this. It just gave us some space to self-reflect on. If we could go back when we were working there, yes. how, could, how could we have done self-care more unapologetically? Mm. Um, and so, there, so then my friends were kind of experimenting with me because I at the time I didn't know how to articulate what I needed because I just was so like I was so was re stimulated by PTSD yes. that I and, and they just they just started doing things and it was like, Do you like this? Mm. Yes, I do. Wait, I didn't know that I needed that or like this and I was like, mm, that's not really my thing. That's not really helping <laughs> helping me. So uh an example is like I didn't know until this moment that I really like stuffed animals. Like I really like stuffed like yeah, stuffed bags, like like uh, what is it uh bean bags or, ah, like all that stuff. i yes. really like that and so my friend was like let's you know she she said do you like stuff bags and i said why would i use that <laughs> <For what? laughs> I <was funny. laughs> and then now like i i love them so anyways at, in the beginning i didn't really know but i was kind of me and this group unintentionally were kind of reflecting about some of those things and so mm-hmm. one of my friends had a really good I- idea of saying that like we are have already kind of been in different community together where we can kind of have these conversations to experiment with one another but some people don't have the capacity time or know what they want so how about we do a forum that has something on there as a reference point for people who Mm. haven't had as much time to think about it
1: yeah you know
0: and then just click away and then if there's something that we're not thinking about on the list like they could add something. Mm. So the amount of people that like click stuffed animals, I was surprised. Really? And then, so now <laughs> so now it's like, I know, I know, wow, that's the thing. Um And I mean, I think the other thing that I just want to say on the top is that, you know, the, what we did, we it was just like five people. It wasn't like we were with the organization or like, whatever. It was just like, us you know a google form and sometimes you know we were only able to give out maybe five care packages in a week or something and maybe another week we gave out like 20 Uh, you know like it just it looks so different you know um then like thinking about it has to be this machine and an institution and like Mm. something really big you know, it was really small and, like, really intimate, and I think at times that made it better because people were getting, like, direct attention, you know? Yeah. Um, and we still have we still have some that we need to give out that we weren't able to give out because we had to go back to work, right? Or, like, I went <laughs> yep. to grad school. And so we still have... So for most of the year, I still had care packages in my apartment that right. didn't go anywhere yet, yeah. and I still have them now that I'm trying to figure out how to give out. This summer,
1: hmm. you've spoken to a, a reality of, of many things, um, and I guess one of which I want to tag on because we've talked about it a little bit was what she said about burnout, or that you didn't know this while you were working, but you're probably burnt out while you were working, and and didn't know even that, that that was happening or to articulate that is what might be happening. And so one of the things that I've also come to realize this past year is that resilience is a lot even about rest and the permission to allow yourself to rest and allow yourself to feel love. <laughs> allow yourself to know, actually, I can't go to the front lines today. I might be better suited to be in the house in pajamas and keeping up with things on social media or oh, actually JK be offline and watch Tom and Jerry. Um, But you also talked about, and I think many people of color, maybe even many black people don't realize that they are deserving of rest. And because most of the times rest and self-care have looked like a privilege, you know, the privilege of time to be able to afford to have time to take to do something for yourself or the money to say oh i'm doing this thing for self-care i'm gonna go paint my nails it's it feels like it's a it's, it's a privilege you need the time you need the money you need the resources and that's not always what it is so i guess and and then another thing is what organizations as well make it the responsibility of the individual to take time to rest And I've noticed this. I think it's a very American thing. I say this because I'm not American. The people are always (laughs) on. Yeah. The people are always on. Like, I don't know if you've seen this meme. (laughs) I find it so funny. About... American going off for of paid time off and will say, sorry, um, I will not be responding to my emails. I'm going in for surgery, but I will be checking my f- You can call me on my phone versus someone else saying, I'm on vacation. Call me after September <laughs> and no, don't try to reach me. So I guess what's missing in organizations and institutions that have the responsibility of rest, that make the responsibility of rest an individual thing versus preventing it happening on an institutional level so you prevent burnout already within the institution so that i don't feel like oh my gosh now i need to take time off of work to then take care of myself what do you feel like i'm asking so many questions in the same one but i guess i'm interested to hear your thoughts on all of them (laughs) um what prevents this from happening because we learned quickly and even through covid that wellness even wellness itself has been seen as a privilege so how can we create structural ways that ensure opportunities of rest, of, of wellness, of 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 recharging are available within organizations and institutions? It's
0: a big wow! Many I'm big just questions. like I'm like you know. Well, oh okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, go for Talking about rest and self-care is that um, self when when so my little brother has a disability and it's something that I often don't really talk about okay um and so but I'll just kind of reference it a little bit here Mm -hmm. I think it's like super important to remember the context of like some of the words that we're using so like Mm -hmm. mutual aid came up a lot and this year as like a new thing or whatever but it was interesting because like mutual aid has been something that a lot of you know marginalized groups have used such as disability communities yes you know um or like queer communities because organizations you know they couldn't rely on organizations or like class barriers or whatever to just like provide each other with care so I feel like mutual aid was a word and it's it is still a word that I'm trying to like get back to the root of what it means because it became so popular that it kind of got out of its like original context mm. but another word is self-care and like originally self-care came from I believe Audre Lorde um mm. and but it was it was a queer black woman yeah. and they had breast cancer. So it's interesting that when we talk about self-care, like, we forget that the person who even created that famous quote, like, self-care is not self-indulgence, but self-preservation, was a breast cancer, like, survivor, and also, like, was navigating that at the time. Yeah. So I'm I'm saying that because I think, like, and again, I'm trying to get back to, like, learning more about the the person that made... That made the term self care popular. Yes. Because now self care is related to some of the stuff that you said earlier, and um, and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's important I think because with COVID, all of us like didn't realize that you know these underlying health conditions, why are certain communities dying disproportionately, all yes. that stuff, and it's like I think starting self care with just checking in on like is your body good? Yeah. you know and and I can just say for myself because of the stress of this year there's ways that my body has changed Mm. there's ways that I've been at the doctor there's ways that um and even I think you know before we like started this podcast I said earlier this morning like I had a telehealth like yes you know meeting you know and so so just to go to the first question is I just think that rest everything that you said rest can sometimes be a luxury the way that we've talked about self-care can be ways inaccessible but then at the same time the original person that created the the famous like quote that we all use talking about self-care mm. was a breast cancer like survivor and connected with different people yeah. strategically to like help navigate something that was really like crucial in their lives mm. and like we just missed that part and so I think that um, I am just Thinking about how rest, like, what's stopping us, not just these organizations, but multiple different things, even culturally, from rest. Yeah. Because now it's becoming more known. Or certain communities already knew that we already have these health, like, um, ailments because of lack of rest. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, self-care is about... Not just the nails getting done and not just, like, you know, that stuff. But, yeah. like, how do we think about it also as preventative care mm-hmm. or care because now we are having these disproportionate underlining health conditions? And to me, I this is kind of morbid to say, but that's such a big, large thing that I honestly have no idea how organizations Mm. can resolve all of that. I don't even, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So like a self-care day at the organization is not going to address Mm. like my new unique underlying health conditions that I'm working through because of COVID. Yes. (laughs) Like, and because even even before COVID, like the type of stress that I was putting on myself as a black woman. Yes. And I think those conversations about, you know, ability status or like, you know, do you have, I don't know, like asthma or um, diabetes mm. or, you know, like these different these different things like. How is that also in relationship to rest and self care? So I'm sorry, I don't think I answered all your questions. No, 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 no it's okay. I'm just trying to take it back to like, this year has been hard. It has, and it just showcased already how hard our everyday lives were. Mm and how that impacted our bodies. Mm. So I don't have the answer in terms of how individual or an organization solves all that, but it has just made me myself and for people around me. I want to resource people. Like I need to be resourced because my body is being affected by everything. And yeah. like, if I am resourced, how am I checking up on people that I do love yes. on their bodies? Yes. Because yes. it's no joke, like it's just no joke. <laughs> really it's
1: not it's not and I am still interested really interested in public health and one of the things I think people misunderstand with health it's not just the absence of disease it's not just that I don't have COVID that makes me healthy it's the fact that um well I'm constantly triggered because when I look at the TV people who look like me are being killed or I live um, on this particular street and where I live, there isn't a grocery store that can offer me fresh food and vegetables that allow me to eat healthy so I'm just going to indulge in this greasy food until I decide otherwise. It's And that has longer term consequences for me, like you're saying, than we see chronic diseases um, appearing in specific communities for because they're prevalent here because the situations around them haven't been changed. Like there are thing underlying things that then make them or just set them up to be unhealthy, or to have chronic diseases, or to have triggers, or to have mental health difficulties. and And I think sometimes we don't think about health in that in that facet. And health is a lot more than just disease, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, um, I want to bring it back to. The quote that you, you use for Audre Lord, and for the listeners that might not know this, the full quote um, is, Caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. And I want to bring this back to the beginning when you talked about uh, the decision and knowing that organizing on the street was not going to be you. Um, this was not what also going to be your act of resistance um and then two talking about the cost of resisting the cost of the actual um um organizing and being on the ground um emotionally um because you are doing hard work organizing um you are doing hard work telling other people to care for this thing that is so close to you, that is so real to you, that is so real to other people that look like you and you're trying to convince other people to care about it and to do something about it. The cost as well of the time to organize, even the time, like you said, um, that you were able to do some of the things that you did in the summer because you weren't employed and because you had that time to then think about resourcing other people. And that in itself... Going back to all this um, caring for yourself, knowing what to articulate, and knowing when to step back, knowing what things to put off from the to do list. That is also not self and that is too part of political warfare. And I think that is something that's so profound for listeners who um, might be overwhelmed and also like emotionally tired of. Um, seeing and constantly being triggered and feeling like they're constantly fight, fighting to be seen and to be to be valid, to be humanized, to be loved. Um, I don't even know if I have a question in here. I just was reflecting in some of what you had said and um, thinking about the cost of organizing and realizing that self-care too is an act of political warfare. That people, if you need validation to know that self-care is... Um, self-preservation is an act of political warfare and that in itself too is resistance (laughs) one of the other things that uh, have come out from this period is we've seen lots of statistics lots of numbers about you know the state of mental health this past year has been worsening um and something interesting that you said too um some of the things that were, some of the language, like mutual aid that you said, has been used in marginalized, for a long, marginalized communities for a long time. Um, mental health has been used in marginalized communities for a long time. Um, but until, I guess, everybody, it makes sense to everybody else, that's when we kind of see action being taken. And so we've seen lots of statistics this past year, and we will continue to see about the state of mental health among the youth especially, um, and that calls for more education and more coping strategies. I wonder, though, that young people are already aware of this information, or may may actually may not be. Um, some of the things that we've shared today, they may not be aware of some of the different ways of resistance, but some of the ways to cope and about mental health and about some of the warning signs, they might know this information. So then, my so my question would be so what's the next thing what's, what's the next thing what can organizations do outside of or even maybe even us as, as 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 we're thinking about resourcing other people about their mental health outside of education and awareness that you feel would be would be helpful to youth who are at the forefront of organizing or who are representing or who are receiving the back end of backlash because of their identities or because of their existence um, from police or from older folks who are like, why are you going to protest? Why are you organizing? Stay at home, be safe, you know, uh, and putting themselves in danger. What kind of the, what can, can we do outside of education and awareness to protect um, and to allow the youth to protect their mental health? And that's a big question mm-hmm. too.
0: Um, yeah, it's funny. This question is funny to me because I, so like it's it's debatable like what is considered youth
1: hmm.
0: like what's the age and like what's considered young adult and so i feel like um i would put myself in the category of young adults and so <laughs> yeah. I, so I don't I no longer I don't feel yet like I'm the adult talking to youth I feel like I'm still a, I'm a couple years older than them yeah but I just <laughs> I just um started working and so now it's like oh like you're an adult, an adult. And I am like, still a young adult and so I so and some of these conversations I was having with some youth because like I said at my previous job I was working with young people Mm -hmm. people in high school and at the time we were all laid off but you know sometimes I would still check on them or like other people through doing the the care package that I interacted with went through protesting or like through other moments in my life Yeah, and I mean I think that (laughs) young people are very smart (laughs) and I think that young people already know that a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. which is why you're like, I'm just going to like go out there and protest and not wait for an organization or institution to validate what I'm doing because they haven't been accountable. So I think, I think that I feel like young people are like, duh, because I'm also like, duh. So I just, I'm, I'm trying to get better at like people I think so the takeaway I think because I'm being silly is just that to really honor the wisdom that young people already have mm. um, instead of claiming young people as naive yes and and <laughs> and to really and to really sit with them and hear their perspectives to honor their perspectives and the wisdom that they already have and the reason why I am thinking about this a lot is because someone told me about this term called young adult oppression Mm -hmm. and I never heard of that term besides this year and it's been really helpful to think through some of my experiences Mm -hmm. where in one instance you know adults tell young people you can you have you're gonna change the world y'all are gonna solve kind (laughs) of like young people you know like those like TV phrases you're the leaders of tomorrow Right, stuff like that. But then also at the same time, it's like, well, you're young, so you don't know what you're talking about. So which one is it? Which like it's it's confusing, right? Like which one is is. it? (laughs) And I think the reason why I personally I believe why young people have been like the usually at the forefront is because they haven't been as socialized Mm. into these different systems to be able to question and critique. Why are we doing it that way? You know, go well, but when you start having a house, when you start having kids, when you start having a mortgage, when you are like have been in an organization or institution for years. Yes. It's it's harder to be still connected to that voice mm-hmm. because you're more bought into it because of you know, you have to adult <laughs> versus <laughs> if you don't got no job. Yes. You know, you don't have certain bills a certain type of way and you can you're closer to like asking all these questions of like well why do you need why are we still going to have a jury if we saw the video yeah (laughs) like Uh why is this still happening after (laughs) Lamar Clark Marcus Golden Philando Castile like I feel like that, mm. so I so I don't feel like I need to tell youth anything. Yeah. I think it's, like, why, like, I think it's at a point of, like, you need to explain to youth why are we still doing this yes. because they, already have seen how we've let them down mm. in these institutions, these organizations, and how can, like, we get connected to them and have, like, intergenerational conversations of, like, how do we change this and how do we have accountability? Yeah. Because I think it's messed up to put that on only young people to solve climate change or whatever, because yeah. that's just too much pressure. They also need to rest. Yes. And and they're the ones who might be getting, you know, arrested because they had the bravery to do what they did even though they were getting shit on for that. yes, You know, so it's just like within a couple of years, those young people, they really changed up in me. I, you know, just like, <laughs> you are just like, I don't understand. But that's how it is, you know, like that's how it goes. So I just, <laughs> I feel like organizations like check up on young people, honor that, and young people, I feel like have the right to be angry, mm. have the right to be confused because this is their, rite of passage is covid can you imagine i can't imagine graduating from college or being in high school i had like a virtual prom that i did with like some young people and it was like i just i i didn't really care for prom but it made me feel so bad that they were missing that yes even though we try to, like, do, like, some virtual thing. And so I think it's just, like, really check up on them because, duh, there's going to be mental health. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, and, like, and the other thing is that I think, for me, I've just been reflecting about, like, I'm in graduate school now. Like, I wasn't out there. Like, I'm very much more in a middle-class, like, state. And so I think that um, I, I personally, I feel like, I'm also able to do some of the things, have these conversations because I'm starting to become more of that adult that I'm saying hmm. that has built and stuff. And I noticed that I'm also then also like not willing to take certain types of risks anymore. And so some of the stuff that I'm doing, I personally don't think it's as radical as what I was doing when I was younger because I didn't have to go through the same type of consequences. Right. Um. So I think also being honest, like as adults of thinking about like, Just because we're changing things, that doesn't mean that we're changing power. And like, (laughs) are you like, are you just being honest about that? Like, no, like at this point, there's just so much that's happened this year that I don't have judgment about anymore. It's just like, are you still like endorsing the status quo? Are you challenging the (laughs) status quo? Mm -hmm. And if we're not, if young people are not seeing adults challenge the status quo, like how do you explain that to them? Yeah when they're going to then have feelings about it because their graduation was COVID-19. Yes. So, like, and Trump, like, and the <laughs> insurrection and, 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 like, George Floyd, like, yes. so, um, and, and I think, yeah, so I'm just going on a rant, but um, I, I so I'm not going to end this podcast saying young people are going to change the world because <laughs> I'm so tired personally of hearing that. Yes. But I will say that young people and have always, like, had wisdom and it's on all of us to figure out how we all deserve rest yeah like adults and young people will figure out everything but like how do we have intergenerational conversations Mm. um so we all so we all can have rest you know especially
1: Um, conversations that don't minimize the experience i feel like it it, it, it's easy for older adults to tell to young adults you know minimizing the grief and the loss even of some of the moments you're talking about about prom they'd be like oh it's just prom you have other things to look forward to in life but not minimizing that those are big losses and
0: yeah moments too yeah and just so i don't get i'm a libra and just so i don't get dragged (laughs) is that like i think i think also i feel intergenerational to because this this experience has also made me have certain conversations with elders mm. or like older people about what were they doing as young people mm. and how it traumatized them which is why they don't talk about it mm. but sometimes I make the assumption I was like dang like what was you doing about climate change like what was you <laughs> what were you doing about these things like what the heck yes. and then this moment because everyone's just been you know reflecting a lot it's like oh if I went through that I would be traumatized too and like Mm. even with myself like just certain stuff that I was doing at 18 if you're not if you're not a certain type of person in my life I wouldn't share that with you exactly so there's also that to be like thoughtful of you know all of it so I don't get dragged so yes I also understand (laughs) that perspective as well nobody's gonna be dragging you around. I know right and the, like listen the, the is are small so I'm just trying to you know I'm just trying to cover all aspects and I'm a trying to you know the scale you know the balance you yes, know yes. so thank you so much for this conversation no. it's been so nice to have a space to reflect and hear your thoughts
1: thank you so much for being willing also to share your insight with our listeners and 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 answer and like Expose some hard things as well that everybody needs to be thinking about. So thank you so much, Ayanna.
0: <laughs> yes, and I'm gonna be that person. Let me be that. Let me be this person. Be the person. Also, I recently wrote. Yeah. That's about <laughs> that's about 20 pages yes. as young a, a young adult reflecting on all the stuff that happened this year mm-hmm. and some takeaways that I've gotten. And so y'all can check that out. Where can we check it out? Oh, really? I really wish I was that person that was ready and like here's the the exact URL. Um but I'm pretty sure you can type up um it's called Forgotten Youth Elders. Okay. And yeah, I feel like you could Google search that, um or, or just like my name. Okay. And I think that's gonna be on the podcast and people can people can find that and read that and like dive deeper into that last question because it's a really good question but it's, it's too big for me to all these questions are too big for me to answer so
1: <laughs> okay
0: someone else to
1: yeah please go out <laughs> and find some of Ayan's insight um uh, forgotten youth elders she is a great artist and we're so excited to, to read your work um and to hear the, your insights some more thank you so much Ayan for sharing space with us
0: Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we have rest
1: today. Um, I, I hope have rest. I hope, listeners, you have rest too. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namimn.org. All music loops used in this episode came from the song titled The Way, produced by Mike Lighty and made available through a Creative Commons license. Mike Lighty's music can be heard online at soundcloud.com forward slash Mike Lighty. Lighty is spelled L-E-I-T-E. For information about the Creative Commons license and additional links to Mike's music, including the full version of the song, The Way, please see the podcast show notes for this episode.